Hello and welcome to the Unfuck Your Biz podcast, a show for creatives to encourage and inspire through actionable legal, tax, money, and business topics. I'm Braden Drake, an author, lawyer, tax pro, and educator. If you are ready to get your legal and tax shit legit, you are in the right place. But before we fully dive in, here is a quick word from my sponsors. This episode is brought to you by my new upcoming totally free live masterclass titled The Most Common Legal and Tax Mistakes at Each Stage of Business and How You Can Avoid Them. On this masterclass, you'll learn whether it's time for you to go from a sole proprietorship to an LLC or from an LLC to an S-Corp, or if you have an S-Corp, how you can make sure that you're running it correctly. You will also learn how to get more profitable in a snap and put your taxes on autopilot, as well as how to make sure you're owning the CEO role in your business and managing the growth of your business without the fear that IRS hate mail or nasty lawsuits are going to come your way. Also, at the end of the class, you'll officially be invited to join the spring 2021 class of Unfuck Your Biz. There will be a special bonus available only to those that attend the masterclass. So if you're curious about the program or know that you need to get a head start on avoiding these legal and tax mistakes we're going to talk about, join us at www.unfuckyourbiz.com where you can register. See you there. Hello there, friend, and welcome back to the podcast. I am joined now again by one of my students. This is Courtney slash... um, Better known, should I say better known as DJ Dazzler? Sure. Yeah, let's go with it. Okay. Better, Courtney, better known as DJ Dazzler. Courtney, you are a DJ in the Los Angeles area, correct? Correct. I will say, um, based on what you've told me, that you are not only a student of mine, but an avid listener of the podcast, which is always fun. Definitely. And catching you in other platforms as well, Clubhouse and the works. Yeah, Clubhouse, Facebook groups. We're, we're in a lot of the same spaces, so right. it's fun. Okay, so what this podcast episode is, if you haven't heard any of my student interviews before, this is us talking about Courtney's journey and her progress in my signature program, Unfuck Your Biz. When I started doing these podcasts, they felt a little bit uncomfortable because I was like, do I really want to give people a half an hour sales pitch on the program? And what I ended up finding out was, It's not always necessarily a sales pitch, but people are genuinely curious Mm. what other people's process has been like, why they joined the program and what they got out of it. Because if if you're thinking like, oh, I'm interested in joining the program, but I don't really know if it's right for me, these podcast episodes are gonna help you. It'll either help you say yes, help you say no. Either way, that's totally fine. But um, anyhow, I hope you enjoy enjoy the show. So Courtney, let's start out by just having you tell my audience a little bit about your business. So what it is that you do and when you got started. I am a DJ by trade. I have been doing this for over 10 years. It it still cannot feel like it feels like a decade that I've been doing this. Um, So I'm in the Los Angeles area pivoting to doing all the virtual event type of things given the times and really how I got to where I am now and how we know each other is um, me wanting to fix the things that need to be fixed. Uh, And this was last year is is when I started your program. Okay, so as a DJ in LA, like I know that you do weddings and that's where a lot of our audience overlaps, but you also are DJing outside of weddings, right? So do you do like clubs, live events? What does that look like? 
Thanks so much for asking that. A lot of people, because our circles uh, know me in the wedding cir uh, circuit, um, I do a great deal of celebrity events, uh, corporate functions. So think in the lines of like American Express's event, MasterCard's event, the Grammy, um, like partner parties. Um, I've DJed at um, Anaheim Angels Stadium. And then some of my celebrity clients, I've, I've performed with Bon Jovi. Jason Derulo, Gabrielle Union, Tamar Braxton, Vanessa Manillo, and nightclubs throughout the country, uh, given when we are open, and also uh, just events that really congregate people, you know? So, like, yeah, I saw, times, I really. saw that one video you posted where you were DJing on a stage and you were playing a Jason Derulo song, and Jason Derulo. It was Jason Derulo. <laughs> yeah, and he was in the front row, like, dancing to the song. Was that, it looked like you were at like a drive-in movie theater, but I'm assuming yeah. it was like a COVID, like outdoor concert. It was, it was, uh, so I worked with Disney. Uh, they had their rollout of a couple of films through Disney Plus and they had, uh, so I've done work with Jason, Jason Derulo before. And then he was, I don't know how he was affiliated with the event. It was for the world premiere of Clouds. And so they were having their VIPs, so it hadn't been released yet like it was the maybe the i guess the premiere and they did it in a hangar in santa monica because open air and that's how they wanted to get creative in in getting people together for this moment so they had maybe about 100 tickets for true fans to access and then they had their vips up front and they were socially distanced by car but disney knows how to put on an experience it's disney so you right. drive like, in they take your photo in your in your car at the backdrop they serve you like amazing food that's boxed like it's <laughs> it's an experience so and and to them having a dj is like a mandatory thing for them that okay yeah that sounds super fun to me i always think of when i think of djs i always think of like doing club events from like midnight until 4 a.m yeah and that makes me feel exhausted but it doesn't sound like it sounds like you're doing a lot more like corporate events that are a little bit earlier but do right. most DJs like get started in that avenue they either start no with they start not at them. all i think it's very much when you get started it's like you're doing your cousin's backyard party in their house at their okay. house you know what i mean and you're and I, I think a big problem with our industry is people just a lot of professionals stay in that route when there's like a huge you know market to in different industries to tap into you know what i right. mean so i think because i have a you know i i've been in the professional world outside creativity and outside my trade and i was able to fuse those worlds together in terms of I know how to speak to corporate types of clients. I know how to speak to wedding clients. I also know how to speak to the nightclub, want to get sloth, sloth <laughs> in, the, in the nightclub and get drunk clientele. So um, I think the identity of a DJ is, in, even in movies, film, and, and print media, is usually, oh, the DJ at a nightclub, that prime slot, trying to get everyone yeah. dancing and drunk in Vegas or something. Okay, yeah. So I guess it's very, very, you're obviously doing a very different service for each of these different events. But yes. Whenever I think about this, I'm like, I, oh, oh my God, Courtney, you should have seen me dancing when I was young, I gay, 21 and drunk in college. <laughs> it was so much fun. And I've been like, since COVID started, like my husband and I, like, we don't really go out. We're like pretty old at heart, but I keep telling him, I was like, I would give, like, I would give almost anything to be able to like go to a gay club right now and just dance to uh, Lady Gaga's Rain On Me on repeat for like three I love hours. that song. I play that song in all of my, a lot of my corporate events. I love that song. It's uh, so yeah. good. It's on my running playlist. Okay. Um, 
So let's talk a little bit about, we'll, we'll pivot. I would actually, we should talk more about your backstory. So I think it's sure. the, the DJing industry is super, super interesting. But you were in business for 10, okay, so you've been in business for 10 full years. You I, so joined- as a, as, a tra- as a trade, like let, I'll clarify. So as a trade, yes, service, I've, that's how long I've known. But that's like a two-part question for me because how long have I treated my business as a legit business? That's another answer, you know, how I actually yeah. ended up to you because even, even to now, I've always had a stable job along with me being a DJ. So for in its early you know, developments, I treated DJing as a side thing, a hobby, but was kind of making money off it, but definitely wasn't official in any sense, you know? Yeah. I, and- okay. So I always find that to be really fascinating because I hear this a lot. People will say, well, technically I've only really, really been in business for four years. And in my mind, I'm always thinking, well, what the, the what the fuck does that mean? And because in my mind, I'm always like, you were in business before that. You weren't, you probably just like, not you, Courtney, but yeah, yeah, yeah. like you probably just weren't paying taxes or filing them. No, you, and Courtney, you got it. That's what yeah. I, I was like, I think it's different for me because I came straight out of law school to start my business. And I also yeah. knew long-term, this is going to be my full-time job. I think when people start as like a hobby or a side hustle, they don't think it's going to be a full-time job. So maybe they don't, don't consider it a business. I also but tell think me in creative what field to, in the creative sense, I think there's a threshold and a pivot where people mentally think, oh, I'm doing this for real, especially in like creative yeah. type of uh, trades as well. So yeah, like if you want to say like skill at skill level, when, how long I've been doing this, I'd say over 10 years, but it's like, when did it actually start being a business? That is such a gray area for me. Got it. So it's like when you're talking to your clients, when you're talking to prospective clients, you tell them you've been a DJ for 10 years because yes. that's your experience. And when you're talking to the IRS, you've only had a business for three years. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Well, what I'm curious about, tell us about like what you were doing when you like mentally were in the space that you would have said, Oh, I don't really have a business. Like what did it look like at that point in time for those few years? Sure. I think being really obsessive of my identity, like the, the stuff of how my brand projected and I wasn't seriously taking it in that mental state, but just like, Oh, I'm so, I would spend months and months and months and trying to get a logo and, and business cards. And I'm like, Oh wow, we are so freaking official and a janky ass godaddy.com website. You know what I mean? Like yes. that was like the medal of honor of like, Oh, I have a business, you know, nothing like it was certainly not LLC then um, payments in cash. You know what I mean? Like, so really Did you have contracts. I had uh, ish like invoice, like really janky templated invoices. You I maybe did have like a, like a one pager contract and yeah, one page contract. Like, don't forget to make, but not, it wasn't as really detailed out as it is now, you know? Right. So, uh, and I, that was like growing pains really. Cause, and I actually went to uh, trade school to learn how to DJ and it was so, and they started pivoting after, after my time there, like, Oh, let's talk about business stuff, but it's not I, really, there should be an area where they really teach like creatives on how to make this thing a business because it's so concentrated on just a trade yeah. that people plateau in a certain way. So and that's where I ended up for a couple of years because I didn't even know these uh, concepts and up until I took your course. Well, uh, I mean, like that's true in pretty much every trade, right? This is interesting on our call. Yeah. Like on our student alumni call we had yesterday, it was really interesting when Jay Scott, one of our fellow students said that they wanted to 
perhaps bring me in to do some training for uh, Miss Indiana USA on uh-huh. how to manage the legal and tax side of the business. So I think it's fascinating. People are starting to think about this more and more, but certainly like I talked to so many people who went to graphic design school, art school. Right. Well, we had you recently on our, our community's clubhouse and that was very, you know, just a tip of the iceberg conversation. And I, many, I'd say 85, 90% of those were DJs and they were just stunned at the things that you said. Like, like even me in my early stages of your course, my quarterlies, like that's a, what is that? Like, like quarterly <laughs> taxes? What? Yeah. Well, I didn't even know that. Because I would imagine Courtney in your first few years when you had like that, maybe one page or contract, the invoice, you were taking the money in cash. Were you just taking the money in cash and then using that cash to buy your groceries? Like, did you deposit it into your personal bank account? What did that I, look like? Yeah, it was going into my personal bank account or I would just hang on to it. And it, you want know really, as I look at my tenure of being a DJ and, or, or the business, business um, aspect of it, I have a very interesting relationship with money. And it opened my eyes as I was, as I've, I'm in your alumni program, as I've left your course and I'm, that has now opened me to, do other courses to reinvest myself. It really took me back to my relationship with money. Like I'm frugal in some way. So I'm not frivolous, but I'm also not putting it into the right things. I also back then didn't have a concept of like, where, like, where's this money coming from and where is it going? You know? So, and it initially made me feel constantly broke or didn't, I didn't have money when maybe I did. I just don't know. It wasn't organized in any form. Yeah, I, I think that happens a lot, like a lot, especially when we're getting paid in cash. Like this is how I felt when I was a server, very different business. I was getting paid a lot less than your DJ gigs, I can promise you. But you kind of, you get the money, you spend it. And then I remember at one point in time, I was feeling really broke. So I like went around my house and combed through all my pockets and scrounged up all my money. Cause I, I would really, I was trying to go on spring break with my friends. Uh-huh. I needed some money <laughs> and I ended up getting like $350. And I was like, this, all this cash was just sitting around. So it's true though. When we don't account for our money, we have no, we have no idea how much we have. Right. And for the people listening, like Courtney, you know this already, but when it comes to taking that cash or, you know, taking our client payments, putting it in a business bank account, doing our bookkeeping, we obviously have to do this for tax purposes, mm-hmm. but we also need to know the profitability of our business just to know whether we're making money, making money. And then when and it no- comes to the tax yeah. side, the thing is, is, is people don't really, people don't think about this part, but it's the aspect of if you ever get audited or if you get a letter from the IRS, they're going to basically take any information that they can gather to assume what your income was if you have not accounted for it yourself. Uh, And they almost always are going to like massively overestimate. So people always think about doing their bookkeeping just in terms of their deductions. But in reality, it's like, you might be doing your bookkeeping to show I made $4,000 last year. So then the IRS can't say, well, we think you made 10,000. And so we want $2,000 in taxes from you. Mm. Gets tricky. Okay. So you were kind of in business, you know, doing your GJ thing for 10 years. You really considered yourself a business for a few years. So what was the triggering point that made you realize, oh, I need to unfuck my biz like, how did you find me to start? Let's start yeah. there. How did you find me to sure. start? Sure. Uh, well, I'll answer this first. So I was in for a couple months mid last summer uh, as we, when I realized like, oh, we're, I hadn't worked live events. So think of last summer, February. Oh my gosh. It might've been a year now was like my last in-person, like congregated occasion that I had DJed live. And when we hit summer, I was thinking, 
my gosh, we're going to be in this for a bit. And when we, when things go back to normal, when things are more optimal for me to be out there, I cannot continue to do things the way I've been doing on a financial level in like a sales process level in every sense. So while it was light in my schedule, I wanted to just improve some of the things I needed to do, take care of things I had swept under the rug, back taxes and things like that. But it's just such an overwhelming concept to grasp. So I hit up a mutual friend of ours, Holly Gray, who I'm an active member with in um, Tuesdays Together Los Angeles. I put something in our Facebook group. I said, help, who can help with like small business tax finance stuff and unfuck this shit show really in your terms. (laughs) And then literally Holly hit me direct and she tagged you. And after her, you were just like, there was nobody else. It was just you. And I'm like, okay, this is clearly the guy. And I think before I even reached out to you, um, well, your branding is super solid. So you captivated me that way. Your Instagram is really easy to read. You have these like quick bullet point things. And then I, your podcast, I listened to religiously. That's well, that was my first engagement with you in terms of, uh, being introduced to your content. And then I think later in the fall, you had done like a uh, promo for your unfuck your biz course. Right. And uh, I wasn't one of those who was like, here it is. Like, like, let me just sign up. Uh, let me go back to you with my relationship with money. So to me, <laughs> when I saw the investment price, I was like, Oh my God, that's like way too much. I cannot do that or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just, it's like, I had, I loosely had the money. Like I had it in savings, but I'm like, I don't want to do it, do it. So in my mind, I was just making excuses, excuses. Oh, I could just do this yeah. next year. I could do I could do this. I could have somebody else do it or, but I think what really attracted me in addition to your vibe. And I think we connected in, in unsaid ways is you are teaching people the process of understanding of how business operation works versus if I were to have, if I just didn't want to deal with it, sure. I could have somebody else do it. A, it would be like way more in price. If that, if that was my concern still and B, I still wouldn't have an understanding of how things work. It's like, okay, it's handled, but me as a business owner, I should know even a little bit of how things work. Would I still have known about quarterlies? I don't know. No, no, because somebody else is doing it. You know what I mean? So I think you're what, and why I have continued to stick, stick along. I'm, I'm, I'm in your alumni course is I'm constantly being introduced to new information. I'm revisiting new things and I'm being held accountable to stay on track because it's not like your course in the two months, right? About two and a half months. Yeah. It's 10 weeks. So about two and a half months. The work does not stop there. So I initially treated, uh, I think I told you this before as now that I take a step back and I reflect in those two and a half months, I think I treated that timeline as like a a movie preview of your course. And really I'm getting the ground running now uh, in terms of, so it was like theory then, and I was being a little bit active, but really now I'm rolling up my sleeves to get things going. Yeah. I think that like some people really need that. Like they really, this is kind of how I I operate. Usually when I sign up for courses, I go through them twice. So I Ah. go through it once and watch all the videos, like pretty passively. I'll like watch them listen while I'm making dinner because I need to really understand like the full scope of what's in the program. And then I go back through a second time and actually do all of the work. So I do think you mentioned, like you mentioned the investment and what I found Courtney is first of all, like there's a shit ton of content. So like, that's why the price point is what it is. right? Right. But also it's one of those things where people have to invest if they're going to get the work out of it because there's, I agree. I mean, it's, it's a lot. Like I don't like, I never promise anyone that they're going to join the program and like work for 15 minutes a week and like have their entire business life right. together in 10 weeks. What I do like, like now, like now that I've been, I'm 
after that hump of that thinking, I think if people were to be like, was it worth it? I'm like, it's price. It's a yes. Like I <laughs> honestly, I almost wish I didn't do that sooner. You know, it's, it's um, like the insecurity of getting started and making these excuses because l- let's be honest, this subject, the subject of money, it's not attractive to a lot of people. It's scary. Um, and I'd say you make, you do a really fine job about making these, you know, baby steps on getting towards the right direction and very clear in your content. But that's yeah. one of the reasons why I've stuck around. Well, that's, that's always the goal, right? Sometimes easier said than done, but that's what we, what we strive to do. So Courtney, in, in your round of Unfuck Your Biz, we had a lot more newbies than usual. So typically uh. we only have one or two brand new business owners and we have more, we have a higher volume of more established business owners. Uh-huh. In this round, you were probably the most experienced business owner in the program. Interesting. Did, did you feel that way when you were in no, there? No, I didn't. I Maybe because in my head, I'm like, okay, I'm starting over in that way. In that sense, I felt new. Um, I don't think me having the experience I did helped, nor did it not, wasn't a, like a problem. You know what I mean? I think gotcha. I came in wanting to roll up my sleeves and understand process. I mean, granted, there's are, there are some things that I still need a refresher on constantly, but in terms of, I didn't feel, maybe there's an area of like, maybe money I owed or something that wouldn't necessarily benefit knowledge to someone. Yeah, I think part of it, part of it may have been, we didn't really have anyone in your class who already had a lot of their stuff together. And I mean, in the previous round of Unfuck Your Biz, I had five or six students who already had their LLCs formed and were in the program because they wanted to form S-Corps and hire employees. Oh, wow. Yeah. In your round, like a lot of people were brand new and the people who weren't new were kind of like, well, I never did any of this. So I'm starting. I'm I'm almost glad that I was starting with this cohort then. I'm glad because- I think well, I would have. Well, it's a good mixture because you can also sure. learn from those people too. No, absolutely. I think so too. But I think, I, I, I mean, our class too, I, I don't know if this is what it's, if it's like this for your other um, terms, but I f- it felt intimate to me. Yes. Like, I don't know if it, that's intentful. Um, I mean, there's always drop-offs like throughout uh, there, but even in the end, I think we were tight-knit. We, some of us are in your alumni program. We check on each other. You, you've created that culture and space yeah. for us. And I also feel that in areas where I'm secure, insecure about my finances, I feel safe to talk about it in our group setting. I mean, I think yesterday in our um, alumni group, like even pulling up a contract, that's like per- very personal, I think to some people, or like you're on a message from the IRS, like that's very personal. So, but right. I feel like you've created that safe space where like, here, this is what it looks like. And it's educational for everybody. Like, yeah, I mean, we, we kind of like. have to, because everyone's in the same boat. I was talking, I was talking to a fellow tax attorney on that clubhouse chat you were on. We could talk about that more in a little bit, but I asked her and we don't have statistics for this, but what percentage of the American population has gotten a letter from the IRS or had some kind of back tax at some point in their life? And I would guess that it's at least like 70%. Cause Oh, not, really? Not, yeah, because not everyone like gets behind on taxes, but at some point we all like check a box wrong on our tax return and we get a letter and we're like, oh, okay, I, you know, I picked the wrong thing and I have to like tweak it this way. Like, the IRS sends letters for everything. It's a lot more common than most people realize, which is why I always tell people not to freak out. Right. So on that note, Courtney, let's talk about what you did in the program. So did you, you formed, you formed two LLCs, didn't you? Yes. I formed two LLCs and that was via, I don't think it would have gotten done if it weren't for your LLC party. 
that you hosted uh, in class. So like we just and it's, it's so easy, right? Like I never like it's always funny. It to is me. really easy to the point where my first LLC years ago, or that that I thought I was doing it right. I can't believe I paid someone to do it. Like almost like just because I thought because it sounds so formal and it seems so unattainable as a regular mortal being. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like because there's all this jargon that overwhelms you, and. And it's kind of like that whole example that you say, like, I didn't use uh, legal Zoom. I used something else. Uh, or I think I actually used an attorney. I was like, I cannot believe I paid someone to do that when I could have done that myself. <laughs> yeah. And what I was, what I also tell people is that it's like the, forming the LLC is the easy part. It's all the stuff that comes after that. Right. So it's all the notices you get. It's the franchise tax. It's the yeah. statement of information. It's the operating agreement. If you're hiring an attorney, they should do all of that for you. Right. But when I used to do this for people like, like I started out charging $500 and that quickly went to 2000. And if I'd kept going, it probably would be like 4,000 now. But really what takes so long is I need all of your information. And there's all these documents yeah. we have to fill out. You're really in a large sense, you would just be paying me for a shit ton of paperwork. Right. So it's like, as from an attorney perspective, you have a mountain of student debt and it's a high overhead job. You have to charge for your time, but a lot sure. of your time is spent doing like pretty uncomplicated stuff in reality. In this avenue, at least. Okay. So aside from your LLCs, what else did you tackle like in the program? In the program, I also was slowly getting um, more into putting soft systems in place. Like it wasn't, I, I think I went a roundabout way of doing that. So in terms of where is my money going or where's my money coming from and where is it going? So I'm now, I have this thing I dub finance Fridays where every Friday I like take my receipt. So I have this envelope with the, you know, those little envelope with the plastic dividers. Yeah. File, like a little file folder. Yeah. It goes with me. It's in my purse. Every purchase I make, whether it's personal business related, if I'm at the store and I have, I have to do two types of purchase, I separate those purchases and I separate those in the little dividers. Like, okay, this was groceries. Okay. I had to buy a bunch of office supplies. And then every Friday I take the business ones and I log it into my Excel sheet. And my mind was kind of, even though this is like a simple concept, I just hadn't implemented it. I recently did this photo shoot and it really kept me on pace on how much I was spending on this photo shoot because I don't, I think <laughs> I would have just, you know, it would just, it was, oh, an expense or I would have not accounted for it. You know what I mean? Because you're buying props at Target every other day and like right, or, clothes for the photo shoot. Exactly. And just like, just little, yeah, props really is where, where it came, came in. I was like, oh, wow. Or like even Amazon or online purchases. So when I get those in, I funnel, I just tag, I don't want to deal. I usually want to batch those types of things. Like it, it's a waste of time. If I try to log it in right then and there, I put those in a folder called expenses. And then once they're logged, it's in 2021 expenses recorded. So I don't have to deal with them. So I don't think I would have started doing that if it weren't for at least having a soft understanding of putting some sort of routine in place with, yeah. with money. And that's the thing, right? So a lot of these processes don't have to be complicated and there's not yeah. a right way to do them. This is also why I believe so much in a conceptual understanding of taxes and deductions. Cause I can give you like an exact system to do, but at the end of the day, if you understand what you can deduct and you know what the, like what kind of record keeping the IRS wants from you, then you can create your own finance Fridays and separate everything in your email and create your own little, very simple system that works for you. I think you hit the nail on the head there where I think most people don't get started on this journey at all because it's like, it seems so overwhelming. And, and it's really, if you just do little small changes that keep you somewhat aware of your finances, 
it puts you in a better place, actually. Like, I don't think I have the most sophisticated, I'm, I'm not even using legit software yet. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, it's not QuickBooks. Like, I'm using Excel, I mean, a Google uh, spreadsheet is what I'm using yeah. currently until I move everything over. That's fine. I, you know, I love me a Google sheet. I'm all about it. You know, we have so many like Google sheet templates in the course too. I'm all about oh, right. Google sheet. So, okay. So let's talk about you also had some back tax stuff you were dealing with in the sure. course. How are you feeling about that now? I think before how I got to where it was, is I just didn't understand how it worked. Like, so I, I would send my taxes off and for for many years, I th- and I'm not many years back tax. I think there's, it's now two now, and and one was a very well in my mind a high amount. It was like three grand. Um, no, actually, when I talked to you, I thought it was eight. But then is it Teresa when she helped me read the form? She's like, "Girl, it's actually three grand." And she's like, "No, those are credits or something." It li- yeah. I literally at, was like a sigh of relief. I'm pretty sure what it was was your tax. So your tax for that year was eight thousand. But you'd already paid you paid you paid five thousand when you filed your return, so your balance was three thousand. Okay, yeah, I did not read it that way, so I kind of just not ignored, but yeah, I guess ignored actually. Like, okay, I'll just deal with it. And it had been a couple years, and then when I file, and so I, I don't have a problem filing every year. Like, I feel like I get to that point, but then I've, I'm such on the sigh of relief train. Like, okay, I'm already done with la- last year in terms of filing that I'm already on to the new year trying to deal with that giving over promising over promising myself this year i'm going to get it together because getting that data was such a headache you know what i mean and it's just like what i learned in your course was if you just book ending these years so you can just keep going or else it just snowball snowballs right. into this big effect so with back the back tax um I paid one of the years in full, which I had no plan of doing so this i'm going to make this reference to like my relationship with money um the money is in my savings, but I have this visual thing where, okay, when I see money in my account, it's like, okay, there's money in my account. I want to keep it in there. And it's not that I have a problem. Like I'm, I'm fine with debt. Like I pay credit cards off. I'm on time. But for some reason, like paying things in that big of a chunk in full give me so much anxiety because it looks like, oh, then I'm not going to have that money anymore. Like it's a psychological thing, but I'm, oh, I owe that money though. Right which is like the, well, you owe that money. But I guess the flip side and good positive thing is at least I have that money to take care of it. And so that's what, after I listened to that conversation with you and Teresa, it was like, you know what? Literally after that call, I just did it. And I think I even sent you a freaking video. I'm like, look what I did. Yeah, you sent you sent me screenshots and I kept those because I might put them in the course textbook at some point. I'm yeah, gonna take your go name for- your name off of it. Sure. Or now I can I've identify it so people will know that it's yours. Or, or if if anybody wants to pay that one off for me, go for it. You know, oh yeah, you can you yeah. can go pay the balance for Courtney. But you're yeah. almost there. Um yeah. so are you now on are you on an installment agreement for that balance or are you just gonna planning on knocking out no. like a month? So that that so that was for one of the years. I just Literally after that call with Teresa, that I mean that call that clubhouse conversation with Teresa, I paid it in full. I oh, just okay, did. so it's all done. I did. I have an, a one year that's a random five hundred freaking dollars or so. I'm like, okay, just freaking take care of that. I've had to do that, and I have last years to do. So I, I took care of the oldest first yeah. because that was the one probably accruing more interest. And so before I didn't have a concept of the interest, and that's where now the quarterlies make sense to me. You know what I mean in terms right. of getting ahead of that. That was like maybe a thousand dollars worth of interest, I think. Yeah, and see your quarterly your quarterlies are charged, and you know this from the course, obviously. I'm telling our our listeners. The interest is charged by month. 
So when you don't pay quarterly taxes, you're automatically being charged interest. Most people don't right. realize this. So, and because it's so small, you don't feel it like month to month. It's right. when, you, when I open up for that year and when I looked at the breakdown, I'm like literally $999 on, on interest. If I just even took care of it in the littlest sense, like a hundred bucks a month or something. Yeah, because yours was, I mean, it was a two to three-year-old debt. So yours yeah. was like $2,000 in tax and $1,000 in penalties and interest. Correct. If you had paid it, if you've paid it when you filed taxes in 2018, so a lot of the tax would have been nine months, six months, and three months late because of your quarterlies, your penalty and interest probably would have been like 300 bucks, but it continues to grow. If you pay it on time, obviously no penalty and interest. So what also confused me even more was, okay, so that was that year. Now I was getting new documents for another year. And I thought that was the same because I because I don't know how to read an IRS document. They all look the same to me. They're so dry. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I thought that was for that year. I'm like, oh, it's only that. I'm like, okay, I'll take care of it. Now I filed for this. So it's just a snowball effect if you don't take care of it. I'm going to be updating our course textbook for the next round with more with more images of IRS tax forms explaining you know, what they are and how to read them. Speaking of images, what I was also, I just had this negative um, like opinion about any government website <laughs> just because the navigation of them are so terrible. But what I was pleasantly surprised was that, portal that I was showing you, it actually had really clear breakdowns of what year. And I was not expecting that from something of the IRS website to have that. Like there was this, your past portals, any money that came in through any relief during COVID, if you, if you qualified for that or um, everything's uh, divided by year. And so I wasn't expecting that. I thought you had to come through like knowing already based on the snail mail forms you got, uh, which I'm not the most organized in that sense, but digitally I am. So that spoke well to me seeing a portal on the IRS page. So speaking of taxes, the IRS, all that, are you currently saving for your quarterly taxes now? Yeah. Well, yeah, for this, yeah, year, it's not, well, given my event situation, what, what I can, yeah. I'm still wrapping my head on, like anticipating like income in because my work is so as booked as I get, it's not regular. But what I do now is any income that I do get, I percentage it out now, like and, and, and put things into the proper accounts they need to be in, um, which is, I'm still fine tuning. But in terms of, let's say, just, just for the sake of an even number, let's say a thousand dollars comes in, I know that's my, I know in my head, that's not my thousand dollars to take. I need to put 20 to 30% off for taxes already and put it in a way that I don't touch savings expenses. And then I'm slowly building a system of like the whole paying myself out thing. Cause that still is new for me. That that's a weird category for me to <laughs> your salary. Yeah. My salary. That yeah. one. Well, so right now you're doing it kind of manually. Once you get, the great thing is you're in the alumni membership. Yeah. So we can touch base on this, sure. like, you know, every week if we wanted to, but really like every month, every two months. Yeah. And once the events start to pick it back up, then I'm going to encourage you to definitely automate, this. automate it. Yeah. Then yeah. At that point, you'll have a better sense of like a monthly, uh, more cyclical income process. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I'm a snail's place on that. And I recognize that with the automation and that's for everything. So my idea of automation, it's so I'm very, that's like the last thing for me to get on. And it's weird. Cause it's not like I'm not completely tech savvy or I don't understand. I think it's a control thing. Would you say probably is it like, Oh, I'm making those. Yeah, probably. Cause it's <laughs> like, really, I promise you, it's going to make your life so much easier. Like yeah. we've done a few of the other student interviews and they've already started their automations 
And it's always fun because everyone is always shocked at how much money is in their savings account when they're automating it. Because the difference is like for you, for you, Courtney, you don't ever have to look at that thousand dollars. It's just the tax is automatically taken out and you look at your bank account and you're like, oh, I made $700 this week because the other 300 has already been taken out. Right. Yeah. So you don't have to like go over that mental hurdle. Okay. Let me talk to you a little bit about logistics. So how did you feel about like the video and tech support in the course? I love your, your, um, your website portal where all was, is that Kajabi where all the videos yeah. live? I love that. I really enjoyed how everything is at your own pace and every, there is, there was copy the book that corresponded to those videos and the videos were bite-sized pieces. So very digestible, um, for the sake of like my workflow, um, Trello wasn't my strong suit. I found myself using that last. And I think really strictly wasn't how you use, use it. It's because I, I am in other CRMs that I know how those work. And, and yeah. Trello is, is different. It's all a preference for that. But I would say success for a student in your course is really showing up to the meetings like for the Q&A, that's where the biggest value is. And it's like total FOMO. If you weren't there, you, you miss out. Yes, there's reca- recap videos, but being present really helps because it keeps you accountable. But the videos in, the, in tandem with the book uh, were easy to navigate. But the only thing that was difficult for me were just concepts. So it wasn't like, oh, I couldn't find anything. It was like, if I couldn't wrap my head around something, it was a content, not so much. Right. And then we talk about it like during our calls. So yeah. A couple of things we're doing in the next round. So you know that we have, I did an audiobook version for our course textbook. So that'll be available to new students. And what I'm also going to be doing is taking the Q&As from our, our weekly Q&As recordings. And I'm going to be posting those onto the same um, audio feed as recordings. Oh, so okay. People can listen to them like passively or podcast episodes. Right. Yeah, that's a great way to... Um... I guess you know, students have different learning styles. So if they're keen on listening, um, me, I, your videos really paved my development in the course, mainly because Perfect. I think I could go back and you had, and you also had visual uh, like graphs and content on your videos. Yes. And I, I could pause and like reference those. Um, I felt the book and the videos went hand in hand. Like I yeah, did not. That's the, like, that's kind of how they're, the videos are designed to give you like a snapshot. So that yes. way I always tell people, if you don't have time to do all the homework and read the book before the call, try to take like 10 minutes to a half an hour to watch the videos. That's, um, that's the bare minimum. I'd say like I, to any student that is about to take your program, I would highly suggest say I would, given my experience in your course, I would say just doing the videos is not going to cut it though. Like it's, you do need to do the reading work uh, because that actually is the framework right. of the homework, right? Yeah. The videos, because, because from my perspective, the videos will give you enough context to understand what the questions people are asking are yep. when you get onto the Q and A calls, but then you'll need to circle back to the text to actually work through it all yourself in detail. So, so much good information you shared, Courtney. We're going to start to wrap up here. What I'm, what I would love to ask you, and this is a question I ask all my guests now, relatively new question. You obviously are in my Facebook group, Braden's Besties. We are besties, of course. If anyone wants to become a bestie of Courtney, DJ Dazzler, where would they go to do that? I am super active on Instagram. 
and Twitter, but mostly Instagram. Um, you get to, and that's at DJ underscore Dazzler, D-A-Z-Z-L-E-R. Um, I do a mix of, you know, my work and then you get to know me as a person. It's very clear of who I am in that sense. So people get to know me in that space um, outside of my world in music as well. And I'm a big uh, fan of supporting other people, whether it's causes, um, social justice things that, that fit in my value frame, supporting small businesses. So you'll see that come up in stories a lot as I help push and elevate our community. And if people listening have questions about the course, do you mind if they reach out to you to ask they, questions about it? They absolutely can. Most definitely. <laughs> okay, cool. Because I know, you know, some people are always hesitant to reach out to me directly. Um, sure. So if you want a fair, honest take, um, I'm sure most of, the, most of the students that we have on the podcast won't mind that. So Courtney, thanks again so much for coming on the episode. Yeah. Love to have you here. Thank you so much, Raiden. Hey there, before you go, I wanted to give a quick thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you loved it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode or snap a quick selfie while you are listening. Share it on social and give me a tag. It'll help other kick-ass entrepreneurs like yourself find the show. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Meanwhile, let's roll up our sleeves and unfuck that biz.